Hercules' foster father, Amphitryon, was an absolute bamf. You would never guess that because the most famous myth he's featured in has him getting cuckolded by Zeus, and besides that, the most exposure he's had to the masses is Disney's Hercules, which grossly mischaracterizes him as an elderly farmer, but in mythology, the dude was a warrior, a conqueror, a total ladies' man, and I'm here to set the record straight, starting with his lineage. We don't know anything about Amphitryon's childhood or how he was raised, but we do know quite a bit about his family tree and I think you're going to be surprised by what it reveals. You see, Amphitryon was the son of Astydemea and Alcaeus, and grandson of the one and only Perseus. Some of you may recall that Perseus's mother, Danae, was impregnated by Zeus while he visited her prison cell in the form of golden light. Don't ask me how, my sex ed class never covered conception by abstraction, but the point is, Zeus is Amphitryon's great-grandfather. Weirdly enough, he's also the great-grandfather of Amphitryon's wife, Alcmene, whose father, Alexis, Electrion was also a son of Perseus. In other words, we've got layers of incest going on. Amphitryon is married to his first cousin slash niece, and in the myth he's most known for, his great-grandfather seduces said cousin niece, who is also his own great-granddaughter. We're getting ahead of ourselves though. Amphitryon has a whole life to live before we get to that point, and his story begins on a pretty exciting note. You see, Alcmene's father, Electrion, was the king of Mycenae, and during his rule, the nearby kingdom of Mester was taken control of by the fearsome sons of Terelaus, but Electrion had no respect for how they attained the kingdom and refused to send them a tribute of any kind. As you can imagine, these sons took his refusal as personal disrespect and resolved to get their tribute by any means necessary. So they loaded up a few ships with goons, sailed to Electrion's lands, and tried stealing his cattle. What the sons didn't expect was that Electrion's own sons would be there to defend the cattle. And so a bloody battle broke out between the thieves and the defenders that ended with all of them dead. All that death for a couple cows. Do you think it was worth it? Maybe to the survivors it was, because while Electrion's men were successful in protecting the majority of the cows, the goons still managed to sail off with a decent amount. But not wanting Electrion's forces to pursue them to their own kingdom of Tafos, they dumped the cattle at the first opportunity. I don't mean in the ocean, though that would be pretty hilarious. No, they actually bequeathed them to King Polyxenus, who ruled over the kingdom of Elians. We aren't told if he didn't know or just didn't care about the cows being stolen. Regardless, this is where Amphitryon randomly enters the story. For some reason, he felt compelled to reclaim Electrion's cattle for him. Apollodorus, the Greek writer we're using as a source, doesn't explain why, though. Though I speculate that Amphitryon saw an opportunity to get an IOU from a powerful king. Either that, or he heard the king's daughter, Alcmene, was a total smoke show and knew that his best chance of getting in her pants was to gain her father's approval. And to his credit, the plan worked. Granted, the groundwork may have already been laid, considering Electrion was his uncle, but after Amphitryon ransomed the cows from Polyxenus and returned them to the rightful king, Electrion Electrion told his nephew that he would entrust his entire kingdom and daughter to him while he left to wage war against the Teleboans who caused his son's deaths. There was a stipulation though. Amphitryon had to vow to keep Alcmene a virgin until her father returned from war and could throw them a proper ceremony which wouldn't have been a problem if Electrion made it to the war. In what has to be the second most embarrassing event of Amphitryon's life, he accidentally killed the king. 
and the way it went down depends on your source. According to Hesiod, the two men got into an argument while the king's cattle was getting corralled into their enclosure. We aren't told what it was about, but it must have been pretty intense because Amphitryon flew into a rage and threw his club at the king, fracturing his skull. But in Apollodorus's Bibliotheca, he explains it a bit differently and says that one of the cows charged the king. In an attempt to stop it, Amphitryon threw his club at the beast, but it bounced off and collided with Electrion's head. Not gonna lie, to me, Apollodorus's version sounds like a defense attorney wrote it and a crappy one at that, so I'm not sure who to believe, but whether it was an accident or not doesn't really matter in the end anyway. Because Electrion's brother, Sthenelus, saw this as an opportunity to take his place on the throne. He raised a big stink about Amphitryon's betrayal and banished him from the kingdom of Mycenae. Now, I can't really blame Sthenelus for wanting to get rid of his big brother's murderer, but I don't think that's really what his exile was about. I could be wrong and biased, but the fact that Sthenelus' rule was followed by his son Eurystheus, that slimy douchebag who Heracles had to complete his labors for, has me thinking, like father, like son. Anyway, Amphitryon's adventures are just getting started, but before we dive into his labors, I want to say thanks to our friends at Squarespace. We've almost made it to the halfway point of 2023, and if you haven't taken the steps to accomplish the goals you set for yourself this year, it's time to start making some progress. And what better way to do that than by sharing your passion with the world with your own personal website made with Squarespace. They make the process so easy from step one, with their huge library of award-winning templates, intuitive design tools, and the fact that you don't ever have to download any software or patches. They also give creators access to marketing tools and analytics so we can make sure our websites are running efficiently and access to personalized customer support 24-7 if you run into any trouble. So if you want to take one major step closer to making your dreams a reality, go to squarespace.com slash johnsolo to start your completely free trial. And when your site is ready for launch, use code johnsolo to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So after Amphitryon was exiled, he and Alcmene moved to the city of Thebes, where Amphitryon was cleansed of his crimes by King Creon. But before they could start the next chapter of their lives, Alcmene made a request of Amphitryon. She said that she would respect her father's wishes and marry him, but only if he avenged her brothers like her father originally planned. This was a pretty huge ask, but Amphitryon must have known that it was kind of his fault they weren't avenged in the first place. So he agreed to Alcmene's terms and approached King Creon for help. Now Creon didn't have any desire to get involved in the conflict, but you know how kings be, never saying how they're really feeling. So instead of just telling Amphitryon no, he said, sure, I'll help. If you do something about that crazy fox that's been eating all our babies, you heard that right. A fox eating babies. We all know about the Caledonian boar, the Nemean lion, Minos's minotaur, but apparently even foxes are capable of terrorizing a city. The story goes that this fox, called the Tumesian fox, was sent by Dionysus to prey on the children of Thebes, and the reason they hadn't just hunted it down by now is that it was destined to never be caught. In other words, Creon was sending Amphitryon on a fool's errand, not unlike Eurystheus would do to Heracles decades later. But Amphitryon was a crafty fella and immediately thought of a solution. He went to his buddy Cephalus, not to be confused with Syphilis, and asked if he could borrow his hunting dog, because that dog was destined to always catch its prey. 
Cephalus wasn't totally into the idea, but then Amphitryon explained the situation and said that in return, he'd give his friend a share of the loot when they returned from war. Well, Cephalus relented, but I'm pretty sure he went on to regret that decision, because once the hound who always caught his prey began his pursuit of the fox who could never be caught, Zeus was forced to remedy this contradiction in the only way he knew how, by turning both animals to stone. Yeah, just imagine being Cephalus in that situation, reluctantly letting someone borrow your dog for a purpose it was literally born and bred for, so in Gunther's case, melting into someone's lap, and then finding out your best bud got turned to stone. I would be furious at whoever asked for that favor, and there's a small but very real chance I would tear their throat out with my teeth. But I think Cephalus wisely directed his anger at the true enemy because the next paragraph reads, Supported by his allies, Cephalus from Thoricus and Attica, Panopeus from Phocus, Helios son of Perseus from Helios and Argolis, and Creon from Thebes, Amphitryon ravaged the islands of the Taphians. Victory was nearly theirs, but another nigh-immovable object stood in their way. The king of Taphos, Terelaus, had been blessed with immortality by his grandfather Poseidon and unless someone could remove the lone golden hair growing on his head, he could never be truly defeated, which meant Amphitryon would never have victory. But our boy Amphitryon doesn't give up that easy. He found out that Terelaus' daughter, Cametho, had the hots for him, and so he manipulated her into plucking the golden hair from her father's head. With Terelaus and his armies now defenseless, Amphitryon slayed him in front of his daughter. Then, for good measure, he killed her too. See what I mean when I say Disney did Amphitryon dirty? Homie was a savage who conquered every challenge put in front of him. But for some reason, they turned him into a decrepit old man. I'll be honest, unlike a lot of people, I'm actually fine with the majority of changes they made to the mythos. I've even made my peace with Hades being a villain because the character was written so well. But on this occasion, I really wish they stayed truer to Amphitryon's roots. I guess I can understand why they didn't though, because if Hercules' foster father was a skilled leader and warrior, then he would have had no reason to get trained by Phil, which would have meant no Danny DeVito and I don't think that's a sacrifice anyone wanted to make. Now here's where things come full circle. While Amphitryon sails home with the spoils of war, ready to finally sleep with his dime of a wife, his great-grandfather was paying Alcmene a visit of his own, disguised as Amphitryon. Amphitryon had no idea that the king of Olympus had been silently watching over his battle against the Taphians this entire time. Not so he could help out, but just to give his own disguise more credibility. When Zeus showed up at Alcmene's front door, he accurately relayed to her everything that had happened during the conflict. And so Alcmene had no reason to doubt that this was the man she pledged herself to. And they made love till the break of dawn. Which is even more impressive considering Zeus used his powers to make that night three times as long. Homie had that godly stamina. As you can imagine, this led to some serious confusion when the fake Amphitryon was nowhere to be found the following morning, and even more confusion when the real Amphitryon showed up later that day, ecstatic to be reunited with his wife. When Alcmene told Amphitryon that they'd already reunited yesterday and celebrated the occasion, he knew that the gods were somehow involved. So he brought Alcmene to a seer called Tiresias to figure out what the hell was going on, and to the couple's surprise and disgust, 
Tiresias reveals that the first Amphitryon was Zeus in disguise. I really wish that Apollodorus or some other writer gave us more details about how they reacted, but unfortunately, that's all we get. What I can tell you is that the debacle didn't stop the couple from consummating their reunion that night, because according to Apollodorus, Alcmene would go on to bear two sons. The firstborn was Heracles, and he was the oldest by one day. But Iphicles popped out the very next night. Some poets say that the new parents could tell at first glance which son belonged to Zeus and which was Amphitryon's, but Pharisides says they needed to do some testing. There's a famous myth about baby Heracles where Hera sent two serpents to kill him in his crib, but he ended up strangling them. Well, another perspective I'd never heard until researching for this episode is that it wasn't Hera who sent the snakes, but Amphitryon, and the reason he did it was to figure out which of the boys was his own. When Heracles choked the snakes out with his tiny little baby hands while Iphicles sat there crying and pooping, Amphitryon knew for certain that Heracles had descended directly from Zeus while Iphicles was his own. Now don't get it twisted. Just like his father, Iphicles was a badass in his own right. And if you want to learn more about him, check out my episode where I break down his entire story. But I honestly love that Disney found a way to incorporate that snake myth into their movie, only with Hades minions, not Hera's. Because similar to the myth, this incident is what tipped off the animated Alcmene and Amphitryon that there was more to this baby than meets the eye. And although the idea of raising such a baby was quite intimidating, Amphitryon looked after Heracles like he was his own son. He got him the best teachers, the best coaches, and made sure that he was given just as much love and encouragement as Iphicles and their daughter Laonomy, which speaks to the kind of guy he is. But all good stories come to an end eventually, and in most accounts, Amphitryon would be killed during the early days of Heracles' travels. When the hero led an army against the minions in order to save the city of Thebes from having to continue continue paying a pretty embarrassing tribute, Amphitryon marched alongside him and was slain in the battle that took place. That being said, there is a play written by Euripides where Amphitryon actually lives to witness Heracles' murder of his wife Meg and their children and does what he can to help his foster son pick up the pieces of his now broken life. Whichever timeline you want to go with is up to you, but one thing is for certain. As I said in the intro, Amphitryon is an absolute bamf and I want to thank you all for allowing me to share his story with you. So it turns out that although Heracles may not have been related to Amphitryon by blood, they still have a lot in common. But wait, they are related by blood because Zeus is Amphitryon's great-grandpa, and Alcmene is his cousin-niece. So would that make Heracles Amphitryon's great-uncle, his grand-nephew, or his foster-son? This goddamn family tree is really squandering my attempt to put a bow on this thing. How about this? If you enjoyed this episode and learned something, anything from it, sacrifice that like button to the algorithm gods, then subscribe to have more messed up mythology and folklore content sent to your sub box every single weekday. And hey, did you know that these deep dives get posted to all your favorite podcast platforms as well? If not, you should really consider following us on there because at the very least, it's a great backup way of being notified whenever I post a new episode and YouTube doesn't want to do its job by telling you. Speaking of, I'll see you all again next week when I break down the very messed up origins of your foster father. Until then, my name is John Solo, and remember, John shot first.